Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Hello, and this is the Bossit Podcast. Um, a little bit different today um, because no Michael. Um, not because he didn't; he was not available. It's actually because we've got somebody to talk to who um, had been introduced to me uh, a number of weeks ago by somebody I've known for for many, many years, Stuart Elliott. And we had a conversation and started talking about marketing. And um, Bernard had a lot of very uh, useful and interesting ideas around uh, marketing. And I thought it would be great to invite him onto the Bossit podcast. So so welcome, Bernard. Thanks, Mark. Really uh, great to be having the conversation with you. Super. Well, I thought we'd start off is... Um, Give a little bit of background about yourself. So you're Bernard Braithwaite. Um, marketing is one of your key areas. When did you first get into marketing? Yeah, um, excellent. Marketing is one of those things that I sort of evolved into, I must say, is in the in the course of my career. My background, ironically, was, was not in the tech space or even the marketing space. I was in the, the travel industry for many years, Mark, and... Um, it, travel, by definition, is is the ultimate service. It's it's one of the most intangible things you can ever buy. Yes. Um, and and on that basis, you, other than the the knickknacks and tat that you buy at the at the souvenir store, everything is left uh, is uh, retained in your head. Yes. So it's about it's about um, selling the ideas of of. Um, uh, relaxation or pleasure or fulfillment or fantasy, call it what you will. Um, and in that space, then inevitably, when you're in a selling space, you, you rapidly evolve into a, a marketing space because you, you are bundling ideas together. You're not just bundling the destination, but the place within the destination and the experience within the destination and on and on it goes. Yes. And at that point, then um, if you're going to be any, good at the thing you 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 naturally <clears throat> need to understand implicitly who it is that you're selling to what it is that they're expecting to buy what sort of value that they want to take away from the whole experience because you'll spend thousands and thousands on these things at times um yes and as i say for, for residual memory so it's very important to understand what sort of um market you're talking to and, and what sort of expectations and what sort of value you're trying to create from all of that experience because you want them to come back and be your customer again sure and that's naturally how i evolved into marketing I moved from retail travel to uh, sort of the back room if you will working with big brands um i've worked with some extraordinary brands over time including things like the orient express um, oh wow uh, yeah, and, and uh, luxury hotel resorts in Hawaii and uh, airlines I've worked in for a number of years as well, um, <laughs> which is one of the harder things to sell. The, the Orient um, Express and, is something that I've been wanted to go on for many, many years. I've never got round to doing it. That definitely is a is a very clear brand. When anyone mentions the Orient Express, everybody conjures up images in their head. 
that must yeah, be quite an interesting exactly. one to work on. And, and that encapsulates one of those, so what am I getting for all of this money? And, and um, as I say, it costs thousands for a two-day, one-night experience. Make no, make no um, doubt about it. Um, and the conversation always goes along the lines of, if you're trying to justify the breakdown of the cost, don't, because you'll never get there. Yes. Uh, you won't justify it in fuel and food and all those other sorts of things. But if you're trying to understand the value that you're going to get from that experience, then let's have the conversation in an entirely different way. Is that is that to create uh, an emotional connection with what you're selling? There are so many reasons why, but that's exactly right. It, it's it's that that um, that intrinsic bond between me and the purchase that I make, um, and and we. We understand that the, the, the purchase cycle, the marketing cycle, I, I make, do the research, I evaluate the options, I you know, pressure test those options in a range of different ways, I look at the competitor set, who's in and out, and then I put it against my own value set. What, you know, what is it that I'm looking for? And then you go through that, that purchase cycle, and, and inevitably after you've made the decision, you many people question their decision. Did I do the right thing? Yes. Uh, uh, gosh, what if this was a mistake? And um, it's very important through particularly a purchase like that, a high-end luxury experience, um, to be very, very comfortable that you've made the right decision. But I think that transcends just a luxury product to any sort of product, um, particularly um, if we flip that across the other side to a marketing investment in your own business, for example. Mm. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty around that. Yeah, this, this, with, the, with the massive expenditure on a, on a luxury item. Am I going to get what I, is it going to be as good as I think it's going to be? How will I know? How will I know in advance of that? And um, that's kind of, you know, flopping it back to the other side of things. That's what we do is, is we help people get to that point of comfort by assuring them that, that the purchase that they make um, is, is not only the right one um, or if it's the wrong one, tell them why it was the wrong one and how can they, they can make the right, right purchase the next time. Yeah, I've got, I've got a number of questions uh, to ask you, Bernard. I mean, marketing has been one of those topics that I've always been fascinated by. Even, you know, I can remember the first sort of business books that I read. I think when I was a teenager, a lot of it was was focused uh, around marketing and sales, and it's so important. And I think what I'd like to do on this podcast is to cover some of the questions that I hear, some of the what I believe to be possible misconceptions uh, about marketing. And I want to I want to get your view on it because I think the listeners will already have heard you're not from the UK and you're not from the States. Um, <laughs> where, where are you talking to uh, from today? Well, uh, before we started this podcast, you sent me a cheery good morning note and I followed it up with a cheery <laughs> good evening note, Mark. Um, <laughs> speaking to you um, uh, courtesy of uh, a nice little uh, speaker on my laptop and I'm in Auckland in New Zealand as we're having this conversation. Um, and that's and where that's you live? Where, 
and this is where I lived. I've lived here for the last 12 years. I had uh, 10 or 11 years in Australia before that. Um, and most of my time in Australia and New Zealand uh, has been in marketing roles, um, marketing director type roles and all those other sorts of things. So, um, yeah, and that was sort of transcending beyond the, the past travel experiences that I've talked about in those industries that I worked in. So, so I think, I think having the fact that you come from the other side of the world, I think that's also useful because one of the things that I, I sometimes hear is there there are in the software industry. I mean, I'm I'm talking to software entrepreneurs predominantly. Mm. That they're the that's the 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 market that I address. That's that's my audience. Yep. They're the conversations that I'm having. Is I, I'm, I, I will challenge quite often, you know, when we're working with our clients, we have to, our job is to challenge our, our clients. Sometimes that's because we challenge them in order to help facilitate their thinking, but sometimes it's because they have a weakness in a particular area and that weakness is due to a particular mindset. And, and I think unless we can help them in that area in perhaps help educate them to see things slightly differently, we're not doing our job. And one of the defences that often comes up when we perhaps initially are challenging a client, especially about marketing, is yes, but it's different in our technology sector. It's different in our country. And actually, I find that the, the, the real basic fundamentals about marketing are the same throughout the world. Well, uh, you, you're you're really well positioned to be able to talk about that. W what are your thoughts? If you take it back to the you know the fundamentals of marketing, what do you find? Do you find that there's a great regional difference? <clears throat> I can assure you of a couple of things: <clears throat> is that people around the world pull on their pants one leg at a time, <laughs> and um, for the most part, many have tried. Everyone's failed differently. Um, and people are, you know, basically, people are people. Sure, there are regional differences. We see this when we work with clients across Europe, for example. Either the Danes are a little bit different to the Norwegians, and you'd think sure. they'd be the same, but of course they're not. And and the Swiss are the Swiss, and the French are, um, are the French. It, 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 on it goes. But in all of that, there are there are so many parallels that we see across so many markets when we get in and help clients understand how and when and where and why their advertising is either performing well or not performing as well as it should be performing or could be performing um, because that's our driver too. Is is um, And and so, yeah, of course we see some differences, but there are so many uh, universality, universalities that around people's behavior. We see... <clears throat> I can talk to a, a customer in a, in a services business, for example, yes. and I can pretty much go in with a, an 85% hypothesis of how their market is going to respond because I've seen it so often. Yes. Um, and we, we find, the goal is finding the 15% that's different yes. because that's, that's, that's where you can make the gain. Um, that's assuming you get the 85%, right, of course. But, <laughs> um, but, but you know, they, of course we – we see some differences and, and depending yes. on your client base or your target audience, um, what it is that you're trying to sell them, um, you need to make adjustments, of course. And But you've got to get those fundamentals right. You've got to get the, the value proposition right. You've got to be very, very clear on that. And um, and then you have to understand who it is that you're trying to talk to. Is it is it a, a vertical, for example, or is it 
uh, a culture that you're trying to appeal to, or is it a, a, a structure of an organisation, be it a, a centralised um, corporate or global entity, or is it a widely distributed retail network on the high street? Be clear about what it is that you want to do. And then once you understand that, um, as I say, we see parallels everywhere. It's mm. true um, <clears throat> that there are nuances in every business. That's what makes you different. That's what makes you special. Sure. And that's what gives you um, a place and a space and a reason to compete and exist. Um, but in all of that, um, there are truisms that you can apply to just about any business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think without that, there, there always has to be nuances within every business. And that's what makes it really fun. I mean, that's the enjoyable part is understanding those differences. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's creating that um, phrase we use a lot is how do we help you achieve an unfair competitive advantage? Uh, <laughs> and and you do that by understanding your business, your nuance, your place, and how you can position yourself a little bit differently. Well, there's there's some. I, I want to dive into some of the some of the specifics um, in a minute. But let, mm. tell us a little bit about your your current business, what you're doing now. Give a bit of background about that, and what specifically it is it that you do. Because you've got your own business, um, you've yeah, got a so yeah, software yeah. business, and one of the reasons that we're talking to you today is you know you come from our world, so you've got that marketing expertise, but you've also got the experience of, of running a software business so talk a little bit about introduce your company thank you yeah mark um my analytics is a is a, a business born of a frustration as an ex-marketing director and um my two business partners are two of my business partners are from that world as well um we were sitting at desks um trying to get our teams to perform trying to get answers from our agencies to help us understand the true performance of the advertising investment that we were making, the where, the when, the how, and the why it was either working or not working as well as it should, and giving getting it to that that detailed level of analysis that that told us where we should be throwing our money and where we should be pulling it back from. Yes, and we knew it could work, and we were doing some internal modelling quite independently in our own businesses um, to prove and and to demonstrate that it could work. Um, over the course of three years, for example, in the, in the, the business that I was in as a, as a marketing director, we were able to increase our advertising budget 300% because I could demonstrate to the executive that I was a member of that when I spent a dollar in our case, I was getting a dollar ten or a dollar twenty back, and every time I did that, I would get that return. So of course, it made sense to throw more money at it. And our um, our business was born of the idea that we could go out and help people achieve that for their own businesses. Um, in doing that, we've built some tech, and we we look to sell the tech where it's the right thing to do, um, and we look to sell our expertise and consulting services where the tech isn't the right solution. So we, we've sort of got a parallel world. The tech that we've built um, helps measure our clients' um, advertising performance in real time and in that it's a it's a mess it's a big data exercise and in saying big data we don't play with big data in fact we ironically play with small data we bring in the strands and the threads that tell the story about how our clients performance against advertising is actually working um so what we do is is we unlock the value that's being created by our clients' advertising. We help them grow their revenue. We help them grow their profit. It's actually that simple. Yeah, I actually when when your company was first introduced to me, it was actually by Stuart. Um, mm. I I was instantly uh, interested because 
I remember uh, a quote, I think it's by a guy called John Wanamaker, which was, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is I don't know which half. That That's it, one of those quotes that always stuck in my head. And I think I think it's it, probably more it than half, actually, <laughs> my experience of what is, I've seen. It's exactly that principle that we've been pursuing for a decade now, Mark. Um, and it's that principle that we've been helping to unlock for our clients. I've got really good news for you and anyone listening to this podcast. It's not 50%. It's less than that. Um, it's only 30%. The bad news is it's 30% um, on average of the money that uh, typically an advertiser spending is, is not creating any sort of value at all. Okay. And uh, if we can unlock that 30%, then uh, we typically do, then yes. that's a quantum leap forward in performance. And there's, there's pretty much three things you can do with that 30%. Um, one is you can stick it back in the piggy bank. Um, two is you can spend that money and see your, your revenue and your profits grow. Or mm. three, you can take that 30% and double it and increase your investment in your business and grow exponentially faster. Because one of the other things that we've learned is that there is a critical mass of voice in the marketplace. Mm. And those that whisper don't get heard. Um, and conversely, those that speak with authority get exponentially more. This is not a linear relationship. It's an exponential one. Mm. And uh, and so a big part of our job is to give companies um, the courage through insight and measurement to actually go out into the market with the, the right level of authority in their advertising so that they'll get those um, incremental benefits. One of the... One of the um... Statements that I was working on over the weekend, actually, um, and Friday, was that um, I was actually writing a new narrative for Boss Equity because as we've evolved, I need you need to make sure that you, your narrative, what you say about your business, is is accurate and up to date. And I thought I was trying to really get down to the very heart of what it is we did. And I I started it off with. You know, we, we're a company for software entrepreneurs that want to outsmart rather than outspend their competitors. And, and, and one of the things that I find is you've got, to, you've got to be able to articulate in the same way I was trying to do about Boss Equity, very mm. clearly in an understandable way, in a relevant way, and in a cohesive way, what it is you do and why they should care. And then once you've done that, if you're able to measure and say, for every dollar, every pound I spend, I'm going to get two back. Mm-hmm. You know, that that becomes very powerful. You know, how much do I then want to spend? Well, probably every bit of money I can throw at it. <laughs> if well, it keeps exactly, increasing at that rate, you know. That's that's exactly right. Now, in saying that, there's some practicalities in all of that because yes. what we must do as businesses is um, – not just create value for ourselves, but create value for our customers. Yes. And we fail to create value for our customers if we fail to serve them, if we um, don't fulfill their order, um, if we've got you know a bunch of bunch of functional or operational problems that get in the way. So there are some practical realities to just sure. opening the wallet and just exhaustively throwing money at things. Ultimately, yeah. businesses that grow too fast fail. We all know those stories. So yes. it's about doing it in the right way and strategically holding your business together. But, um, but you're right. Um, when you understand 
the value that you want to create, and I guess customers of yours, people perhaps who are listening to this podcast, want to understand about their own business is that when they create value for for their customers, they're creating value in their own organization as well, beyond just the base profit line, because you're creating goodwill, you're creating brand value and all those other sorts of things, which um, are an intangible asset, but nevertheless an asset that can be valued and can create incremental um, value in the business itself. Um, And that's a really important thing to consider as well when you're going down the advertising journey. It's not yes. just about sales. It's about creating greater business value, if you will, yeah, in your own what, what we're aiming to do with our clients is, is, is on the marketing, is to be able to have like a tap that we can control the flow mm. so that as they need, they need more qualified leads, you know, they, they're expanding, they've got more salespeople. You're absolutely right. You don't just want to be able to create a flood because they may not, they will, they'll get a bandwidth problem later on in their business, in their business process. But to be able to control that and monitor that and know we've now got three new salespeople, we need to keep them busy, they need mm-hmm. 10 qualified leads a week to be able to know how, you, how you're going to get there. And I suppose yeah. a lot of what you're doing is to enable them to have that control. That's exactly right. We did an interesting project for a company in the States. I'm going to say, what's it now, about four years ago, four or five years ago. They had had the opposite problem. They didn't know how to dial their advertising back. Every time they turned on the tap, they they, they actually found they were turning on a fire hydrant instead and getting hit in the face by all this water that was was spilling on the ground. Um, And as we know... a customer that doesn't get fulfilled by us isn't just a isn't neutral about our company. They become a detractor, and yes. so they had a real they they were running a real reputational risk by not fulfilling um, uh, at the right level. Um, so we had to help them dial their advertising back, ironically, um, and to get it into that right sort of state and place. Um, they were spending <laughs> big numbers, five million dollars a fortnight on TV advertising. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a breathtakingly big market. Um, wow. We helped them pull it back to 2.8, <laughs> which enabled them to fulfill the volume that came through at that point and reinvest the 2.2 that they that they pulled out further in the year. So they, they got greater extension from their money. It was a, it was a massive win. Um, That's quite some so saving. Sometimes it's not just a well, they spent it which is the interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so they kind of technically didn't save it. They, they still spent it, but they spent it in a, way, in a way that they didn't spill on the ground. They created value for the business at a later time. And at that point, then, you can go on a growth curve because you understand what demand looks like. You can understand, then, how you can generate 10 leads a week, not 30, because 30 is a problem, and I haven't got the people to fulfill that. But 10, I can. And then if I can understand how I can create 20 rather than 30, I can make sure I gear up my people and then bring those leads in. So it, it helps at that point then that marketing becomes a, a very um, strategic part of the organization, not just at, at a, um, uh, I guess, at a, at a lead level or sales level, but it, it transcends functions into operations and delivery and performance and uh, becomes then a, um, a vital part of generating profit not being seen as a cost center in a business. 
Bernard, just to, to give our listeners a, a an understanding and tr- try and visualise, what what do you deliver? What's the end product? And then perhaps we can deconstruct that by working backwards. Once you've delivered your service, what is it? Try and describe it. What is it that that, that your clients have in front of them, and and in what format does that take? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, good call. Very typically, Mark, we we look to engage, um, I guess, similar to the way uh, Boss Equity does in, in, in ensuring that we have a partnership relationship with our clients. Yes. Um, in as much as a lot of our uh, work delivers um, strategic and tactical advice, um, and it can be as simple as don't advertise on a Thursday, Friday and Saturday. We know all your customers come in on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, so we need to be on air on the TV on a Monday night, radio on a Monday morning, TV on a Sunday night, but not before 6 p.m. That's sort of actually very fundamental and strategic advice. Um, and we can we look at deep-grained sort of geeky media stuff around, you know, should I be running 15-second ads or 30-second ads and, and when they should be? What does my mix look like? How does digital come into play? And I guess for a range of you, for you, of your tech clients particularly, they'll be looking at, at digital channels um, as potentially being a little bit seductive and, and being quite measurable. And, and, and in some respects, they are. In many respects, they're not at all. Yes. But but it's it's about um, giving them the insight and the, then the very clear um, directions and, if needed, recommendations on what to do next so that that value can be created. We have observed, for example, from analysing your business, fact A, B and C, if we then implement changes um, X, Y and Z on A, B and C, we would expect that you will get a 15 to 20% uplift because that's what we saw when it happened coincidentally in your last campaign on these days in these ways. Um, so it can be very strategic, um, but it can also we also tend to deliver very simple and practical advice um, to create significant change you know, rapidly. That's what we like to do. One of the things that I understand that, that you're able to deliver is the offline as well as online marketing. And, and obviously, with with online marketing, I think people can understand that that's probably more easily attainable. It depends how you interpret that data once you have it. But but offline marketing, I think, especially now, so much focus is about online marketing. It, it's partly because it there's so much media about it, and it's it's probably easier in many respects. Um, but I was quite interested in the fact that you're looking at marketing both on and offline. How how does that work? Talk a bit about that. Yeah, we because of our background in marketing and, and we've got a lot of media expertise within our um, organisation as well. One of my business partners is an ex uh, media director for one of the um, one of the world's um, big three media organisations. He's uh, he's an English guy. He's got had a lot of experience in in the, the London market as well as New Zealand market. Now where he lives, um, so we understand things like TV and radio. We understand them really really well. We understand the nuance. We understand the trips, uh, the the tricks and the trips and the traps of all of it, um, and we know what to look out for. And we know where value is created and where it's often lost. One of my other business partners is an ex-digital um, agency director, again, out of the UK market um, and also a lot of experience in the New Zealand market as well. So we understand implicitly 
how the market responds to digital advertising, either through you know Google Display Network or um, the relationships with pay-per-click AdWords PPC, um, search engine optimization, what role social media has to play in things, and, and on it goes. And the, the the marketing mix is just that; it is a mix, and it can be very very diverse. And it's and it's extraordinarily easy to lose your way. You're right. In one sense, uh, digital can be seen to be quite clear and straightforward and quite measurable. I can see a click, I can see a like, I can see a comment, um, uh, but there is a lot of subtlety and nuance to it. And in fact, what we find with many of our clients is it can be a very expensive way of acquiring uh, a customer because it is so fragmented, it is so diluted. Yes. Um, there's a lot of noise in that space. So, it, And oftentimes, big uplifts from display in terms of web clicks and all those other sorts of things are either accidental in as much as um, if we do granular analysis and see uh, what dwell time on a website looks like and if you discount anyone who was there for less than five seconds, for example, then suddenly the results and the performance can be wildly different to the first one, which can be very seductive. Um, so we, um, as I say, being experts on the TV and the radio, all the old school stuff like billboards and, and cinema and everything else, we create um, uh, algorithms, if you will, that equalize the audiences that are being reached by all those different media types. From there, we can do the analysis to understand where the response is coming from and um, almost a cost per response, if you will, so that we know which channels are creating um, not just engagement but also value through sales or, or other metrics that are important to a business. So and at that point, then we can collide all of that data together and um, make the recommendations about around where money is best invested to, for growth. So in order to be able to deliver this service, um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's some technology around this that you're using. How does we, that work? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, we do, uh, we've do. we built some proprietary middleware, which is, uh, is a big data ingestion engine, if you will. Yes. Um, and we can absorb uh, files in myriad formats from all sorts of different sources. What we've learned um, both through our own experience and, and through the experience now of our clients is that no one likes a data project, um, especially IT departments. IT departments tend not to like projects at all, um, but they certainly don't like data projects for marketing departments. And um, so at that point, then, we, are, we will spend a lot of time with, with our clients looking for data sources that exist, and it might be a spreadsheet. Uh, that gets issued once a day by the, the sales function, or it might be um, a, an API that we're going to drill out through a, pos, a point of sale system. It could be that um, just through basic permissions granted by the client, we will pull in all the digital data that exists on that client. We'll pull in their social through Facebook and YouTube and, and Twitter and everything else that goes on. We can track and monitor all the Google, uh, Google accounts. So we do a lot of data collection ourselves. Uh, we can pull it in through CSV, through multi-worksheet Excel. We can unpack zip files. We can scrape PDFs. Uh, as I say, we can use APIs or we can do um, secure file transfer protocols directly into an enterprise system. There's any any number of ways that we can get our hands on the data because we want to make it as easy as possible for our clients to engage and they don't want to and don't have the time, quite frankly, to do all of that data work themselves necessarily. Yeah. So we suck all of that into a big uh, data engine and then we pop it out into a, a isolated client-specific database 
and then we can do all the um, the data matching and all the data relationships from there. Uh, and that's 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 the big piece of technology and kit that sits at the background of of yes. our tools processes to enable us to do that work. Because actually, it's not that easy to do. No. And that's why we find that many, if not mm. most, companies don't do it because it's just a bit hard. Mm. Yeah, doing the hard stuff is often what's needed with your client, isn't it? Mm. It's it's doing going that way. Let me let me ask you a couple of questions as we come towards the end of our time. Is yeah. from your experience. What's the most common biggest mistake that you see your clients make? Goodness, that's a really, really good question. Um, one of the common ones is spreading the, the money too thinly, too widely. Right. So yeah. buying a little bit of this and a little bit of that. At the top of the food chain, though, is if you're going to do something, make sure you can measure it. If you can't measure it, don't do it until you figure out how you can. Yes. Because business shouldn't be an exercise in hopes and beliefs. It should be rational, fact-based, uh, strategic, um, followed up by sound tactical decisions. And, and one way of ensuring that is to understand what is it you're doing, why you're doing it, how are you going to measure whether or not you succeeded or failed. Failing's okay. That's absolutely fine. We all do it. Um, but it's important to understand where, how, and why we failed so that we can avoid making that mistake again. So you start with the measurement um, and then make sure that you commit to the right strategy um, and don't dive all over the place. Don't be schizophrenic on these things. Be single-minded and focused. And the same goes for your product or your offering, your value proposition, all those other sorts of things. What do you think, because the, I mean, the audience for this podcast is going to be software entrepreneurs, what do you think is the biggest opportunity for software entrepreneurs out there in the area of marketing? I'm throwing some tough ones at you now, Bernard. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> look, at, look, it is a really good one. I, I come back to um, what I was talking about a little bit before. Um, advertising is one thing. Make sure that your that the creative that you have built around this, be it a, a digital ad, be it a, a TV ad or a a radio, it might be something in the tube in London, it, it could be on the back of a bus, it could be wherever it is that you want to go. Yes. But make sure it's very clear and single-minded about your brand, your value proposition, and make sure it's it's well-targeted at the right audience. Because as I say, back to don't spread yourself too thin. Be very specific about who it is that you're talking to. Get your creative right. Make sure it's strongly about you. Because the last thing you want to do is advertise the category. You want yes. to advertise you in that category. That's really, really important. Um, and um, as I say, back to the, a little bit earlier in the conversation, if you're building brand and your va value in your brand, then you're building value in your business um, as well. Yeah. Good bits of advice. That's really interesting. Well, thanks very much. I hope that makes sense anyway. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I made sense. I've been making notes here as you've been, uh, as you've been talking. So, I mean, it's a massive subject, and I know it's quite a lot to we, fit into we, uh, 30 we, we minutes. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's been a really great introduction, so I thank you very much for your time today. Um, if people want to get hold of you, want to have a look at your company, what's the best way of doing it? They can look at our dodgy website, which is I'm currently <laughs> rebuilding at the moment, uh, mimeanalytics.com. Uh, there should be contact details on there for us as well. Um, 
obviously, um, if uh, they can't get a hold of us that way, then by all means, uh, reach out by yourself, Mark, and, and yep. um, I'm sure you'd be happy to pass on a, on a contact or two, and we certainly. Can, we can certainly connect that way. Uh, Bernard Braithwaite on LinkedIn. Um, fortunately, being called Bernard Braithwaite, there's not too many in the world. You'll find no. me fairly easily. I like the uh, name, which, actually. It's a bit of alliteration is, there, isn't it? Bernard Braithwaite. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. So you'll find us that way. <laughs> Um, absolutely on LinkedIn um, and, and so connect through that way. I'd love to have a conversation with anyone um, if I need to uh, pass out the old bit of advice or, or have a coffee next time I'm up in the UK. And, of course, Stuart, as you know, your, your old colleague is um, is, is based in London. He's, he'd be delighted to come and have a ch- uh, chin rag with anyone at any time too. Super. Well, it's been great. I mean, I've, I've made a lot of notes here, but I've got three things which I'd noted, which you mentioned towards the end, which is... Don't spread your money too thinly. Do it too widely. Um, don't do it if you can't measure it, which is really great advice. And also, in in being creative, make sure that you're advertising and you're marketing yourself, not just a sector and not just a technology. I see that time and time again where people are out there pushing, you know, data analytics and artificial intelligence, mm. and, and it just I can't see the point in doing that. You're waste you're wasting a lot of money. So really. Yeah, yeah. Great advice keep, there. Keep it simple. Keep it about you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get too clever. Um, keep it simple. Keep it fairly rational so that people can understand what it is that you're saying. Yeah. And and that it's you saying it. Those are the key things. I like I like the fact that you uh, you ended up by saying keep it simple. Keep it about you. Because I always say keep it simple. Get it done. So I think I might add to the end of that. Keep it simple. Keep it about you. And get and get it done (laughs) that's a great way to end thank you very much for today bernard we've actually gone 36 minutes 37 minutes now so uh, that's a really good sign and i know that we could have gone on longer so thanks very much for that this is the boss it podcast if you have questions that uh, you'd like to come on want us to talk about if you want to get in contact with bernard uh, again get you know get in contact with us we'll put details up of his website mymyanalytics.com um and uh until we speak again thank you very much cheers thanks indeed